It's been 10 years since a small group of researchers from the University of Massachusetts Amherst, the University of Washington, and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston published a groundbreaking study that shined a spotlight on cybersecurity risks of implantable cardiac devices. Since then, other researchers and white hat hackers have demonstrated similar types of cyber-related problems in other medical devices. So is the medical device industry making progress in addressing cybersecurity risks? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Ben Ransford, co-founder and CEO of healthcare cybersecurity firm Verta Labs. Ben was one of the researchers involved in the May 2008 study. So, Ben, for starters, very briefly describe the sort of cybersecurity issues that you and your fellow researchers identified 10 years ago. And are these the same kinds of problems that we're still seeing now as other researchers identify cyber vulnerabilities in other cardiac and other medical devices today? Sure. It's been 10 years, so this is a nice period of time to look back upon. I'll tell the story of how we started the research, and essentially, there was not much out there in terms of predicates for this sort of research into medical devices. And so we were essentially security researchers, and the team included a couple of early career professors who were looking for ripe areas to study. And so none of us were specialists in medical devices at all. Essentially, we found that this was an area not many people had looked at. We had to kind of draw a roadmap for ourselves because there was nothing that we knew of that came before it. And as far as we can tell, things have gotten better in the last 10 years. That would be my capsule summary. Over the last 10 years, a whole lot of action has occurred in this space. I think a lot of progress has been made, and really the area has expanded a great deal from just a small set of researchers that started looking at these problems 10 years ago. So, Ben, with that said, when you look at the progress that you've seen in the last 10 years, where has the biggest progress been made and what are some of the biggest weak spots that you still see when it comes to the industry addressing these problems? And perhaps you can just give a little bit of an example of the sort of thing that you found with the cardiac devices that might be something that is still persisting today. I would break down the progress in terms of the stakeholders. And so the stakeholders that I've seen making the most progress are the regulators. So think of FDA, where, where there was no guidance 10 years ago as to what manufacturers should do to ensure good cybersecurity for their devices. Um, there is now guidance. That guidance is evolving, and it's relatively recent. But guidance takes time to write, and I've been very happy with the steps that FDA has taken. And actually, just over the past couple of weeks, there were some new bits coming out of FDA, just some new ideas they have about, say, forming a panel of experts to enable a faster response time when something happens to a medical device. So they're making a ton of progress. Manufacturers have also made a lot of progress, although I know for security researchers, it can be hard to perceive that progress because in medical devices, these are companies that are intensely competitive with each other. And so there are a lot of trade secrets, so we don't get a whole lot of that stuff playing out in public. But talking to manufacturers over the last 10 years, it's really been a a sea change in how they approach security. So every manufacturer that I've interacted with over the past few years has started a security program where they're really doing things that should be considered serious efforts at product security. In some cases, they were starting from not much or zero, so we have to allow them to develop their programs, but I've seen a whole lot of really encouraging signs. 
providers, I think it's a different story. In fact, a lot of the devices, the exact devices that were in hospitals 10 years ago are probably still in operations today. I think providers are the ones who are probably struggling the most making progress. One encouraging sign is that companies have started to come out of the woodwork to provide cybersecurity solutions for healthcare providers. Those take a whole bunch of different shapes, but I'm really encouraged by the fact that we see 10-plus companies now saying that they're doing something about medical device security. In terms of the problems that we found that may still exist today, I think a lot of the problems that we found are still in effect because, again, those devices are still deployed. These are things with long lifetimes. And we run across devices running incredibly old versions of, say, Microsoft Windows every day. And so issues like garden variety malware, like the Conficker worm, still popping up in healthcare, which is not fun for the providers. I have seen efforts to fix some of the specific problems that we pointed out. In fact, the most recent recall of St. Jude and Abbott cardiac devices targeted some of the very things that we pointed out 10 years ago, but in a different product line. So Ben, we've heard about the nightmare scenarios where a patient with an implantable cardiac device could potentially be harmed by a targeted cyber attack. But thankfully, as far as we know, that hasn't happened. However, do you think that there are patients that are being harmed by cybersecurity vulnerabilities in medical devices right now that we just don't realize? And why? I think it's important to draw a distinction between vulnerabilities and attacks. A vulnerability is the potential of a future attack, and you're right. As far as we know, there have not been cases where we can tie a patient harm to a specific hacking attack. We have seen healthcare really become subject to a whole lot of really nasty hacking though lately just because of the value of health information. You know, with medical records retailing for you know, more than 10 times what a credit card number used to go for in the black market. There's a clear reason that economically motivated attackers are going after healthcare, but I don't think patient harm is usually the goal. I mean, I usually think of malicious hackers as being economically motivated, you know, which is why they're going after patient records. If I wanted to harm one person, there would be a lot easier way to do it than by attacking their medical device. And if I wanted to cause large-scale harm to a population of people, that's really getting a whole lot more serious. That's getting into essentially terrorism territory, which I think really kind of turns the threat model on its head if you have to start thinking about things like that. So I don't really worry too much about large-scale attacks. I do worry about the right message being delivered to patients because what we've been trying to say for the last 10 years is that if you're prescribed a medical device that is intended to have some therapeutic benefit to you, the benefit of that device almost certainly outweighs the cybersecurity risk in all cases. And so I think there's a tendency to, to look at vulnerabilities as being extraordinarily potentially impactful when in fact they may be high severity vulnerabilities, but the impact is limited by the attacker's motivations. I certainly don't want to see any patients harmed. I think that there's a pretty good reason we, we haven't seen a lot of patient harm so far, and that being the economic motivation that primarily motivates uh, attackers. So now, Ben, as you noted, we have seen guidance from the FDA over the last few years, both for manufacturers and also the healthcare entities that use these medical devices. The guidance addressed pre- and post-market products. Do you think that's helping in terms of the attention that cybersecurity in medical devices is getting? And what else do you think the FDA needs to do to bolster this effort even further? 
I think FDA is on the right track. In fact, I know you and I have talked a few times about things that the FDA is doing. So FDA is now paying a lot more attention to software security than they used to, and they understand very clearly that security has a bearing directly on safety. That's something that's that's happened over the last 10 years. And so we really felt 10 years ago that we needed to form the argument that cybersecurity and safety were directly connected. And so I think that the guidance that they provide is tremendously helpful and necessary because manufacturers treat the guidance as the gospel, essentially. I mean, you know, that that's how manufacturers decide what bar they have to jump over is by understanding FDA guidance. The good news for manufacturers is, is that there are a lot of other things that they can do that they don't have to wait for FDA to do. So, for example, they can go through METIR 57, which is a nice summary of really great cybersecurity best practices that you can apply to your medical devices with a specific understanding of medical devices as safety critical. And you can also do just good old-fashioned secure development lifecycle and other aspects of secure software engineering that you can learn from the rest of the community. You don't have to wait for FDA to, for example, start penetration testing your own devices or incorporate vulnerability management and awareness into your product lifecycle. We've also seen that there are just some really basic things that manufacturers have needed a little bit of hand-holding to do, such as have a strategy for updates and patching. I think everybody gets it now. It's just a matter of waiting for everybody to kind of catch up in this market where there's where there are extremely long product life cycles. And Ben, what's your advice to healthcare entities in terms of their use of medical devices and doing what they can do to prevent a cyber incident from happening in their organization? My advice, as always, is there's no magic bullet, and it's important not to skip past the basics. Um, I'm biased toward the basics because that's what my company does now, but I can tell you that this is something that's really interesting. That over the past 10 years, people from healthcare providers and manufacturers started to come out of the woodwork to kind of tell us how rough things were out there. And I've discovered that a lot of healthcare providers mean well. They have a hard time hiring security people. They have a hard time getting security programs started. And often it's the, it's the issue of we want to have a complete solution for all security to report to the board. But there's really no such thing that you can just get out of the box. And so that can make starting on a project like that really, really difficult. So I, I know other guests on your show have focused on the importance of things like inventory and awareness of your medical device assets. And I think that stuff is really important. So that's where I always point people first. Once you have that kind of stuff in place, then you can really establish more mature practices such as real vulnerability management, a patching strategy that's a little bit proactive, and monitoring for rogue activity. Although, as you say, there's not a lot of rogue activity to be caught that we know of yet. And so you get into some challenges of how to know whether your detectors are working and so on. But focus on the basics, understand what stuff you have, and you're going to be much better prepared for any inevitable security issue than if you try to do everything all at once. And finally, Ben, one last question. Where do you see medical device cyber going forward over the next 10 years? What would you like to see 10 years from today? I'd like to see devices that have a really coherent plan for keeping them up to date. I fear that we're going to see connectivity of devices continue to increase. For example, my understanding is that some medical devices are starting to come out with like Bluetooth connectivity to your implant, which kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. I would really like to see just good old-fashioned software engineering and secure development lifecycle 
be adopted by the medical device industry. I'm not asking for more than that, and it's been really good to see the early signs of that happening in the industry. I think that healthcare providers are really going to benefit when manufacturers are making their devices easier to understand in the field, easier to manage in the field, and so on. And there's a bunch of companies like mine that are working on how to help healthcare providers manage these big populations of devices that they have. And so I hope and I believe we're going to see more progress in these devices presenting themselves as computing devices that you can manage. And I think that is a reasonable goal, and I think that's achievable within the next 10 years. Thanks, Ben. I've been speaking to Ben Ransford. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.